0: Doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people.
1: This is a major pain.
0: Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Justin Balch. Justin has several major pains that have cropped up on and off throughout his life that have forced him to adjust his life course and his career a few times. So for anyone out there who's experienced any sort of health condition that has affected their ability to, to work or to do what they had planned to do with their lives, you'll find this very interesting and relatable. We'll talk about a common theme for people with chronic health conditions, which is when do I go to the doctor? When do I know if this chronic pain is something that's going to resolve itself or something that I need professional care for? And that question can be so hard to answer because oftentimes when you go to the doctor, they tell you that they can't help you in the first place. And that can be a real drain, both physically and emotionally. And we'll also talk about Justin's most recent major pain, which he thinks might be related to COVID 19, something that he is still dealing with to this day. Before we get to that, I have a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, huge, huge, massive thank you to two people. So I mentioned last week that I'm launching a Patreon campaign to help support this podcast. And we have our first two people that have signed up on Patreon to support the show. So our first patron is Naomi Adele Smith, who signed up at the $7 per month patron tier. And Naomi is actually one half of the artistic duo Egg Salad Salad, along with Johnny Unicorn, who created the podcast artwork that we've been using for the show. So, Naomi, thank you so much for signing up to support the show and being such a huge part of the show, because this artwork that you co-created is just so perfect for the show. When I first posted about Major Pain on Facebook, Naomi actually, um, in one of the comments on the post, wrote about the artwork itself and the um, the creative impetus behind what you see, and I just really wanted to share this with you because I think it 's so cool about the artwork design and how it relates to the topic, all lowercase because my chronic pain is in my hands and arms, and sometimes the one extra button for capitalization is too much, especially with texting neurons because while we don 't understand a lot about many chronic illnesses i 'm pretty sure we wouldn 't have pain without neurons keeping it sorted together at the beginning of the lettering, but drifting off towards the end, like mismanaging what you think you're capable of and losing the ability to finish a task partway through. I loved reading that because the first time I saw the artwork, I was just like, that's perfect. I love this. And it kind of encapsulated what I wanted. I mean, all I asked for was like something really eye-catching um, really bright and colorful and cheerful, but also really painful. Um, and they came up with this perfect concept and had these like firing neurons in the background. And it's just so clean and simple and catches your eye even when it's really small as a thumbnail. So, it's just everything that I wanted it to be. And I'm so I'm so grateful. So, if you are in need of artwork design of some kind, you can get in touch with Egg Salad Salad at adele26 at gmail.com, A-D-E-L-E-2-6 at gmail.com. We also got our very first $2 a month supporter on Patreon, so special thank you to Jacob Finkel. I appreciate the support so much. Jacob is a super cool guy. He's a big Doctor Who fan, and he actually appeared on the original incarnation of my sci-fi podcast, Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. So if you go to jessemercury.com and search for Doctor Who Jacob, that episode will pop up if you're a big Doctor Who fan. He's you know a collector of all of the episodes, and it's just so much fun to talk to him about that show. I was so thrilled to get those emails from Patreon that we had two people supporting the podcast. And I need your help to keep this podcast going. I am not working because of my chronic illness, and it just means the world to me to have some support coming in to help cover the cost of the show and hopefully eventually actually generate some revenue. That would be really wonderful. If you'd like to help support this show, head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation or learn about all the different ways you can support us, head to majorpainpodcast.com slash support. I have another anonymous thank you. I'm not sure who it was, but the person who left us our 12th five-star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I, I'm still not used to calling it Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's another fantastic way to help support the show. If we get enough five-star ratings and reviews, eventually we'll start showing up in search results or in you know the top 100 lists on Apple Podcasts. And that is one of my major goals with this show. So keep those positive ratings and reviews coming. I really appreciate it. I want to shout out a couple really cool things that are happening uh, that my friends are producing. So, back in episode two of Major Pain, we interviewed Lauren Dupree, and she's actually making a short film about living with her chronic eczema and topical steroid withdrawal. And she has shot the first piece of this film and is raising funds to make the rest of it. And to do that, she actually hosted a Um, a live performance and a viewing of what she has created so far for this short film called A Topic. She hosted this on YouTube, and it was really impressive. And I have to say that seeing a dramatized version of what she's experienced was actually really profound as far as understanding what it is that she's going through. So I highly recommend you check it out. And if you can afford to support her project, I think it's going to be really awesome. What she's done so far is incredible. I'm so impressed. Uh, You can learn more or check it out at justdupree.com. As you know, my podcasting career started talking about science fiction, first on sci fi with Jesse Mercury, and then sci fi on trial, and eventually space nerds. Um, and I had a lot of really great podcasting partners throughout the years, and three of them have started new podcasts. So I wanna shout these shows out because I'm listening to them, I'm a big fan, and I wanted to point you in that direction. I really like casual conversational podcasts where you just feel like you're hanging out with people, talking about topics that I care about. So uh, the first of these two shows is called The Twin-ish Podcast. This is hosted by Alexandria Henderson, who was one of the space nerds who was my co-host for all things Black Mirror, and her sister, Whitney. So, every week, they get together and talk about different topics, and it's just a lot of fun. They're really great people. They actually did an episode about alternative medicine because Whitney is a registered nurse, and that one was super interesting, so I at least recommend checking that out because it is relevant to our interests here at Major Pain. Uh, that was episode five called I Got Five on it. So, you can find them at uh, soundcloud.com slash Podcast. T-W-I-N-I-S-H podcast, or search for twin dot 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 space ish on your <laughs> podcatcher app. Um, be careful because there is a twin dash ish podcast. That's a different podcast. So make sure you're looking at the twin ish with Whitney and Alexandria. And lastly, I want to shout out the Game Game Pass podcast. I am loving listening to this because it is hosted by Douglas Gale, who was one of the space nerds, my co-host for all things Deep Space Nine and CW Arrowverse shows, and Ryan Casey, who was one of the original recurring guests on Sci Fi with Jesse Mercury, um, as was Doug, where we talked about Babylon Five. So obviously, I love listening to these guys talk because I kept inviting them back on the podcast. Um, I highly recommend checking checking out Game. Game Pass if you're interested in video games at all. Um, I don't have an Xbox, so I don't know anything about the Game Pass library, but I'm still really enjoying listening to these two talk about every game in alphabetical order in the Game Pass library. It's super fun. And they also just go on a lot of tangents, talk about the video games they're playing. So if you're into video game content at all, definitely check out Game Game Pass. You can find it at radiolarp.com. Just like with Twin-ish, there is another podcast with a very similar name. I think it's Game Pass Pass, but you want Game Game Pass. (laughs) Or you can just head to Radiolarp.com to get a direct link to the podcast. And that's going to do it for our news this week, so let's get into our conversation with Justin Balch about the many major pains that have adjusted the course of his life. All right, Justin Balch, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you. It's been a really long time since we caught up. I haven't seen you since we went surfing in San Diego, like over a decade ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the last time. That's, it's, uh, that was a wonderful experience. I remember that as being really, really fun.
0: Yeah, super fun. That's the the thing I miss the most about living in San Diego is the beaches. I Well, the Mexican food. And then the beach is like right under that um besides that seattle's incredible but you know you can't have everything everywhere
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i uh my grandparents lived in bellevue when i was a kid so i used oh, to go up nice yeah, yeah it's such Back a beautiful when, city bellevue was
0: a little different yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a whole buzzing metropolis over in bellevue now mm-hmm. it's interesting
1: yeah 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 i haven't been there in a while but um a buddy of mine live or lives uh he works for microsoft up there and uh yeah i gotta get up there sometime soon i i may actually because my job now will have me traveling a little bit and i actually just did a job that was in bellingham but we're not we're not traveling right now but we will yeah enjoy. yeah the world's about
0: to change a lot when with yeah. all the vaccines coming out it's very exciting well when you come yeah. up let's hang out we can yeah we can't go surfing up here because it's too cold but we can go to the beach <laughs> and hang out. Right um so justin why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get to know you
1: sure well i um i've had a number of lives it feels like uh by this time (laughs) i uh i'm feeling very fortunate um you know i i feel like i've had uh a number of really wonderful experiences in my life i grew up um playing music and, uh, went to, went to Berkeley high school in, in California and, uh, played in the jazz band there and then went to New England conservatory in Boston and, uh, playing saxophone and, and, um, percussion were kind of my main instruments. And I've also played piano from when I was a little kid. And, uh, so yeah, so music was a big part of my, um, my life for a very long time. um, I, uh, I became a recording engineer and live sound engineer, um, in my early mid twenties. Um, and I did that for about 10 years uh, or 10, yeah, something like that, 10, 12 years. And, um, then I, um, after some of the issues I'll talk about later, I I ended up changing my life to become a Spanish teacher for a little while. (laughs) Uh, I had taught a lot of music prior but i ended up having to switch to be a language teacher and then now i actually work for hud the federal government uh, as an <laughs> underwriter so, so <laughs> had, yeah so i've had had a number of twists and turns that have taken me here and there um but i um yeah i really 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 love performing when i was a kid you know played i grew up um you know just really in love all my all my, all my heroes were um you know like charlie parker and cannibal Adderley and miles davis and john coltrane and um you know just giants of um jazz from the 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s you know those were just my heroes My, my mom was a was a music teacher when i was a kid uh for a little while and uh you know so she just really inspired me and um and so yeah i grew up you know Berkeley was was a really fun place to be in the big band, and um, you know we uh, uh, we toured a little bit and we did all the you know competitions and all things. Oh yeah, and I, I did that too in
0: like middle school. Yeah, I won a jazz trumpet solo award in middle school.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are those are like you know those days when we we didn't have any responsibilities and we just were like oh I'm gonna be an artist and I'm gonna yeah. Play music and um, but yeah i I was so lucky um, you know my mom moved to Berkeley and I came with her and uh, and you know put me in in this wonderful environment where I could um, really just explore artistic you know you know express myself artistically with with music and um in any case, so I did that you know I played. You know, junior, senior year I was starting to play like, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. And wow. it's like a lot, a lot of a lot of time with my saxophone. Yeah. And uh, you know, then when I went to the conservatory and basically in high school, you know, it was just like just total bliss, you know, not a lot of responsibilities, mm. playing, you know, great music with good friends and uh, you know, learning learning what it is to uh facilitate music with like you know western the a western concept of music uh on an instrument and then you know going into the conservatory it was like the the stress level kind of went up because everyone was just really good you know it was like <laughs> really good so yeah so i you know i'm a, i'm a relatively sensitive person so i like i loved you know i really enjoyed being with all those other kind of artistically sensitive people mm. you know um uh, but through the years, in my in my uh, third year, I uh, I I believe just um, I just was becoming really anxious, and I I I realized at this point that I was holding a lot of energy in my stomach. You know, I was mm. so so I was playing saxophone, and the um, I was really. Um, interested in cuban percussion i had played uh for a while nice and i was in high school and i went to cuba with a friend of mine and we studied and so was really getting into that and um, and because the percussion isn't an instrument that you necessarily have to use your breath with i wasn't uh i wasn't using the same kind of breath in and out as i was with saxophone so in any case I uh I just was starting to hold this anxiety in my stomach and, and it kind of resulted in uh incredible amount of tension in my kind of left side and my stomach and I had I ended up having to stop playing the saxophone because I just had a whole lot of pain and it was yeah. like it was it was my first kind of reality check of like oh you're not really doing this right like <laughs> You yeah, know, like, let's get into. I mean, I know you have a couple of major
0: pains. So, sure. Let's let's start with this one. So, your first major pain started with this, with this pain that, and you feel like it was just caused by you holding tension in your stomach. Is that something that you confirmed with the doctor? Is that your your feeling on it,
1: or 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 what is that? Well, I, um, you know, throughout my life, when I've encountered physical uh, issues. You know i've been to western doctors and none of them really helped me Mm. that much um i was able to determine what was going on with me more so by uh going to see like massage therapists and acupuncturists Mm -hmm. and uh, you know more like alternative medicine uh type practitioners so so initially, I just had pain in my stomach, and like my my mom and my sisters had studied massage therapy, so I was like, "Well, let me just go to a massage therapist." And I, I remember in college when this started to happen, um, you know, I found a massage therapist who found a spot like right in my psoas and just wailed on it, and I went to a number <laughs> of sessions, and I just remember it was like the most pain ever. Wow, ever,
0: right? a spot where that's a, I'm unfamiliar with that term.
1: So the soaz is a very interesting muscle it it like attaches to your femur and it goes up through your groin and it goes around your waist kind of and attaches in the mid back kind of huh. in like yeah so it's so it's a muscle that goes kind of from your knee to your mid back
0: oh interesting i've never heard of that in my entire life
1: that's <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah like uh like runners got you got to stretch your psoas a lot um i run too so like yeah yeah i think it's p-s-o-a-z or something like that how interesting i'm learning shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes and i learned at that time exactly what the psoas was in any case i um you know i just i uh another part of it potentially is that i was a very quiet person i didn't speak a whole lot i kind of just like expressed myself through my instrument for many years mm. and then when this started to happen i really just started to talk a whole lot more mm. um you know it's like I, I couldn't i couldn't play my saxophone as much i, I literally had to stop for my last year of New conservatory and i um i ended wow. up i did end up doing my uh final recital with uh you know i played a bunch of tunes on my saxophone but um but i also it was starting to develop more as a percussionist and stuff so i kind of did maybe two-thirds saxophone and one-third uh percussion on my recital so you were but just I,
0: in so much pain playing the saxophone that you just stopped
1: and switched instruments yeah i mean wow. I, I i didn't totally i didn't stop playing until the saxophone until like uh maybe a year or two after I finished college. So I did finish playing it, but I okay. didn't practice it a whole lot that yeah. last year because it was just too painful.
0: Wow. And can you describe that pain for me?
1: Well, it was just like uh, muscle pain. It muscle was like pain. In muscle pain, yeah. And it just came out uh, of nowhere. It's like you're, you've are
0: you been playing the saxophone for years and then all of a sudden it just starts to hurt to play. I've never heard anything like that before. That's so that's so frustrating.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of musicians who who practice for mm, a lot of hours every day, Mm -hmm. you know, they develop like one of the most common things that musicians develop is tendonitis, you know, like built from, you know, so much movement of like specific finger or. Yeah. Or
0: carpal tunnel, I guess I have heard of. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. You're right. This is, I have like friends who play keyboards that have carpal tunnel. That's a thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, um. You know, I I, um, I definitely thought, you know, after kind of, you know, thinking about what I went through for a few years, that it was a whole lot of like psychosomatic connection mm. to to emotion. I don't know, you know, it's like the the mind body connection, right? Yeah. Which we lack we lack so much in um, in Western culture. You know, like. Sure. Um, I don't know, you know, you go to a, a Western doctor and, you know, will you have a problem with your leg and it can only be your leg. Right. And I don't know, that's like changing, you know, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of doctors in California also kind of have a holistic approach where they, they see the value of Western and Eastern philosophies, but when it comes to, to medicine, but in any case, um, yeah. So, so I, 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 I was very sad. It was probably the most sad I'd ever been in my life when I realized I had to stop playing saxophone. But I I also, it was strange. In the same moment, uh, well, maybe through a year of kind of contemplation, I also felt an incredible sense of liberation because uh, artistic expression through through an instrument is incredibly involved with the ego, you know? (laughs) And I'm not saying that in a negative (laughs) or positive way, really, at all right
0: i mean i grew up in bands, so i
1: i have a sense of what you're talking about (laughs) you do i know i know you know and and i'm again i'm not saying that as a negative thing right we all we oftentimes automatically uh connect that word ego with a negative Mm. like you know association but but i think the ego can also be a place of uh of you know like um empathy and and giving and love and whatever Mm. i mean it is it is even if um the end result, you know, is something like what happened, what I felt I went through. But in any case, um, I, I felt, so I made this choice to move to New York City from Boston to become an engineer because yeah. I was like, oh, I, ha- I have an incredible wealth of musical uh, knowledge and I can't let that go to waste and I want that still to be my life. So, so I moved to New York and I went to the um, Institute of Audio Research and I learned how to record and, and uh, do live sound and stuff like that and i had an incredible decade of you know learning the craft first of all and then interning with you know so many different really talented people and um you know i just i just was so in love with life it was my 20s and you know my early 30s and and um you know did a lot of really fun gigs and um, and and and, I was working for uh, Darcy argue who has this, um, you know, Grammy uh, nominated big band. uh, And I was doing live sound and also recording some of the live performances and uh, editing them. And uh, it was a stressful gig. It was, it was uh, some of the, some of the members had gone to the New England conservatory with me, but it was one of the most, incredible gigs i've ever had because i was i was literally part of the band because he had so many dynamic changes his music is so um complex that like he would give me instructions to you know lower the trumpets or the rhythm section or the you know x y or z trombones you know at certain parts of certain pieces live so live yeah oh like- man
0: that's so stressful i yeah. so we met through live sound and yeah. i i used to run live sound for san diego state yeah um, so i i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah and it's like really high pressure because there is one performance and you're using like really really expensive uh, like <laughs> elite equipment uh, yeah. and then you're expected to do you know like perfection with whatever you're doing because if you don't, there is no recording because it's a live show and it is very, very stressful. And then on top of that, I never had anyone ask me to change the mix live ever. That would have like petrified me. So I just want to, I want our (laughs) listeners to know what that sort of pressure
1: is. That's like massive
0: pressure. (laughs) It stresses me out just thinking about that.
1: Yeah, it it was stressful, but it was so fun. And Mm. like, I, you know, and there was this one tune where you know uh the drummer was playing a cajon and he had a you know a uh, delay and uh, you know some effects on it so i and you know i think a lot of, a lot of i think you know nationally touring pop acts they just program it all but like you know we didn't have enough of that where i had a system that was you know pre-programmable or whatever mm-hmm. so i did mm-hmm. it did it on the fly but yeah wow but, you know, I loved these people. Half of the people in the band I had gone to college with, like, and I knew very well. And so it was uh, wonderful, wonderful, you know, great experience. And uh, so in any case, I um, I took a vacation with my dad to Argentina, and then we also went to Puerto Rico. And unfortunately, in Puerto Rico, someone didn't wash the rice, and I cracked one of my teeth Oof. on a rock. And so I had to have... Um, uh, oral surgery in san juan but it was incredible experience amazing doctor did a wonderful job um but then i had to my grandma died so i had had this oral surgery and my body was like really kind of reeling from that and i'd also had a lot of stress so so i had to hop on this plane from puerto rico to washington state actually because you know that's where i mentioned the earlier, right. maybe before that, that my grandparents were living there. Right. And, uh, and so on the first flight from San Juan to New York, uh, when we were descending, my ears wouldn't equalize. So I got what's called a barotrauma, mm. my left ear, which is basically just kind of like an explosion of cells. And so, so as we were landing, I knew something was very wrong and, uh, cause I could feel it a little pop. In my ear, Oof. and so yeah. So the next day, I kind of was like, "What's going on?" You know, I went to uh, to an ear, nose, throat specialist, and you know, they they told me what happened, and they gave me this choice. They said, "Well, we can leave it as it is, and we'll see if see how it goes, or we could, you know, put a slight incision into your um, your eardrum and." And you know, let the basically like the um, whatever exploded out, right? So it's just like fluid. Hmm. And so they did that, and I was I was worried, but as soon as they did it, I felt immediate relief, and it was great. But um, you know, and I thought, okay, that's it. That'll be that'll be all. And um, so then I flew to Washington, and I uh, you know attended my my grandma's funeral and. And it was sore, right? Like it, it didn't feel good, but I hadn't developed tinnitus yet. So but when I was in Washington, it just started. Like it was one night I remember I was sleep I was about to fall asleep and I just heard, you know, a slight pitch in one of my left ears. And I knew at that moment that it was very likely that my audio career was was over, oh, but dude. I wasn't sure. Yeah. This
0: is like an audio engineer's worst fear. And tinnitus or, or tinnitus, people may yeah. have heard it pronounced either way, is just a constant ringing in your ear. It's one of those things that doctors don't understand. They don't know how to cure. Um exactly. and it's like it can be lifelong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. it doesn't it doesn't go away. Um I haven't done an incredible amount of research on it in the last, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years or anything because um because if you well because I, I changed my career again, so I wasn't Damn. You know, focusing on my listening for a long time.
0: And is that? Do you still have tinnitus? Oh yeah, it never goes away. There's no yeah. cure.
1: Can't, can't rid, get rid of it. I I don't know. I don't know what they have going on these days. If there are any kinds of therapies, or I, 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 I'm pretty sure there still is no no cure. Yeah, the last but I it, heard, there's still nothing. Yeah, and I don't. um it doesn't affect me too much. Like I don't, like I'm not working with professional audio anymore. So it's like, I don't notice it that much. And really, if you keep your stress levels down, it's, um, uh, you know, it's totally manageable. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, it's funny. Cause when I was in, when I was in New York, I used to teach at the, or the New York city college of technology. And I taught one of the first parts of the course was about the inner ear and Mm -hmm. all the functioning and how how hearing itself is is you know it's partially physical and it's but it's but it's it's partially like perception right it's like Mm -hmm. the the brain uh connection you know to the cerebral cortex to you know um basically the parts of your inner ear you know what you hear is is based on your attention level and also your uh you know all the sounds that are around you in the room and all these things you know things that we learn that you and i learned as as audio professional
0: yeah it's like if you can focus on one person talking in a loud room your ear is taking in all of the noise but you are focusing on one thing if you didn't focus on that you wouldn't
1: understand what they were saying right right so there's a huge mental you know Piece to what we perceive in our hearing. Yeah. So in any case, in any case, um, I continued to work. Um, so so you and I met, you know, at Summerfest in La Jolla, and yeah. I was I was like my you know Paul's uh, assistant, right? And, and I was the intern, <laughs> and you were the intern, yeah. yeah. And I think and, Paul hated me. I don't think he liked me. Oh, so Paul doesn't hate anyone. He's so great. He 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 comes off that way sometimes, but but. You just got to get to know him. Okay. He's, no, no, I can guarantee you, he's uh, he doesn't hate anybody. He's a great. It's hard. Yeah, maybe it's hard to tell. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in any case, um, in any case, um, so so basically, once I realized, so, so I continued to work for about a year. Mm-hmm. I was working at Sony, uh, uh, up- uploading. We would get all the. The music videos, uh, you know, from all the Sony artists. So I, you know, I worked there for three and a half years, and basically I did video processing and uploading of all the Sony music videos to the iTunes staging server. Hmm. And um, so, and I had this job at this time, and, and I was, you know, touring with Darcy's band and doing all kinds of really fun stuff in New York City. So I was like, "There's no way I'm not gonna, I can't like lose this." And then I went back and you know did it for a year, and I was like, "I can't do this anymore." Yeah. Um, and I really realized it when I was hired to go back to Summerfest to yeah. be the head recording engineer. Right, I remember and that. And it was, and it was the summer after this had happened. And by the end of that gig, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is my last gig." Literally, like I finished wow. that gig, and I was like, "I can't work in audio anymore."
0: You, you weren't trusting your ears at this point to keep doing this job. Is that what it felt like?
1: Well, the interesting thing is. There are a ton of really high-profile professional audio, you know, mixing, mastering engineers who have an incredible amount of tinnitus. Mm. You still have the capability to work, uh, you know, to a certain degree in your profession. But the question is, are you willing to do that to yourself physically and psychologically? And I was like, nope, can't do that. I've made lemonade once. I can make it again. I'll just you know switch and do something else because there's so many parts of life to enjoy right so even though I had had this wonderful career I was like you know what there are a million other things that can make me happy so yeah um again it was kind of a letdown it's like oh I thought I was going to do this for my life but uh guess not right so
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're so chill about it that's that's pretty incredible honestly because this is your second career change due to your body sort of rejecting your career (laughs) yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. So, um, right. So, um, so at that point I was a little more bummed because I kind of realized, well, it it's probably not going to have much to do with music. So, but all through my, all through my musical, you know, the years, um, when I was either performing or, um, working as an audio professional, you know, it was all connected with music. So, but during those years, uh, I mean, I, um, I grew up for part of my childhood in Texas and uh, my mom worked with um, refugees uh, from Central America. And I oftentimes had friends that were Spanish speaking. So I heard a lot of Spanish when I was a little kid. Um, and, uh, and so somehow, you know, also through music, I really got into Cuban music and I went and studied music there. So because my, uh, I had that experience as a very young person with this Spanish language, um, you know, I developed an affinity for the, for, for that language. And so when I would go on vacation, I didn't like to just go and like sit on a beach. I would, I would go, um, whether it be like to the Caribbean or to South America or to Spain. And I would study at um, the Spanish language institutes. So basically mm-hmm. you go and you go to class for two or four hours and then at noon, you're done. Right. So, so I did this over many years, um, tr- trying to develop my Spanish language skills, just thinking that it was something that was fun that I enjoyed. And um, so once this realization happened where I was like, well, I'm not going to be an audio engineer anymore. Uh, I had taught so many, so many music students and audio students uh, that I was like, you know, like my dad was was a professor and my sister is a teacher and, you know, my mom had been a teacher. A lot of, a lot of people in my family had been, um, you know, education professionals. I was like, well, I'll just become a Spanish teacher. So I continued to do that. Um and you know, do all the things necessary for uh to become licensed here in California. And um one way you can do that without paying for a degree is doing the Peace Corps. So mm-hmm. I went to Ecuador for two years. I lived in Quito. Wow. And, yeah, and uh and largely because I, I, um, you know, I, I, I wanted the experience as well. Like I mentioned earlier, my, my, my mom worked with refugees and I, and, uh, you know, she kind of showed us from a young age that it was important to, to be aware of, you know, what's happening in the world. And so on one hand, I was like, well, I don't want to pay for, uh, you know, I've, I've taught so many thousands of hours that I, I don't feel like I need to take like, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like I needed to take more classes to become a good teacher. Mm-hmm. So, so I just uh, knew I could get my uh, certification through peace course. So, but I really enjoyed that. That's a life changing experience, you know, and yeah. it was hard. It was hard to live in Quito because it's really high up, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would run and, uh, you know, I really, I really enjoyed living there. And, uh, in any case, I did that for a couple of years and, uh, uh, you know, I moved back to California and, and became a teacher. Um, and it was another situation where I was really diving into it and, you know, potentially nervous that I wasn't doing it, uh, perfectly. And so, and I was also working 80 hours a week teaching, like advanced placement spanish wow uh you know at a charter school here in the bay area and i was just exhausted because too many hours (laughs) it's too many hours it's too many hours and it was it was really hard so you know my body uh definitely it took a toll on my body and um so in any case i didn't really develop anything else until covid hit um I was I I was so stressed out by that job. Um I was really sad to leave it, but I stopped teaching uh at this high school and I started uh to substitute teaching in Berkeley in the early part of 2020. And uh I was substitute teaching like, you know, uh 3rd, 4th graders uh and it was a lot of fun because it was like all of a sudden it was just you know hanging out with little kids instead of using a massive amount of brain power to teach advanced placement Spanish. So, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it would help reduce the anxiety level, but I definitely know, noticed that like that second week of March, I remember teaching uh, every, like every classroom that I taught in, all those little kids were sneezing, like mm-hmm. all of them, all the time. And so that week that everything got shut down, it was March uh like eleventh or twelfth or something like that. That was, you know, my last week in the classroom. And and the week after that, uh, I definitely think I was exposed to it because I would wake up every night um and I would cough for like, you know, twenty minutes, uh thirty minutes, and then uh, you know, just after that I developed what i what i was hearing you know like through media like the kind of difficulty breathing and the chest being really heavy um so i think i was exposed to covid but you know it didn't do anything other than you know the normal symptoms that they that that were coming through in the media so like coughing and, and uh and so then after that, you know, I had the brain fog too. I remember that, yeah. like, I really couldn't think very well. And this uh, is when they
0: told you, like, don't go to the doctor unless you need to, because there were no beds. Exactly. So, and I, I, so did you stay home through that and just ride it out?
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to the doctor because I yeah. thought, okay, well, I'm okay. Like, I'm not. I don't need a to be in, intubated or you know whatever right. that terminology is. Like, I'm not dying. I'll be okay. It's you know. But you know, no one really knew anything. No one didn't didn't have any idea. So, so then after that, I was like, okay, fine, I'm in the clear. Like you know, uh, you know. And then I started thinking about whatever other job I was going to do. But <laughs> but then but then I started to develop just the weirdest symptoms. So like my my the first thing that happened was that I noticed. You know, I'm a runner. Like I run two times a week, usually about five, six miles each time. Uh, and and I did a lot of yoga. You know, my wife was a, a yoga teacher actually for a while, among other things. And I just noticed that I started getting some varicosity in my right leg. Uh, just a little bit. And I thought that was very strange, but you know, I just, I didn't think too much of it, but then. Is that like, after, like varicose veins? Yeah. It's I- just like, yeah exactly. i don't even really know
0: what that is i've heard the term
1: <laughs> yeah it's like it's like when your vein uh just kind of pops out a little bit you notice it uh above, like protruding a little bit from okay. gotcha. from your body yeah and you know and as a runner if you run long distance for a long time like you can also develop like from all the pounding you know like you can develop these little spider veins too but it's basically just like broken blood vessels it's no mm-hmm. it's not a health risk or issue whatsoever like if you go to the doctor you say i have varicose veins they'll be like yeah you're fine like because unless you have an there's a specific kind that's in the middle of your body that's actually dangerous Mm. uh for your heart but but that's not what i have or had or any of that it's just but what developed after that was um my my uh the muscles in my right calf it seemed to, for from my perception, like seemed to just uh, contract incredibly, and mm. and the and the varicosity got got a lot greater. So like um, it would be hard to walk. Like my muscles would be super tight, uh, and then so there was like you know I don't know. The varicosity the muscles were super tight and then my legs started to itch like and mainly is mainly just the right side Hmm. um and then after that i'd say a few months after that all the joints on my right side started to pop constantly so literally like my shoulder my elbow my wrist my joints in my fingers my hip my knee and my ankle, and my toes. Weird. Like, all of those joints, but only on the right side. Yeah. And occasionally, my left wrist, but I feel like that's just from, like...
0: That just happens, you know? Like, like, sometimes wrists just pop, but to have, like, all of the whole side of your body pop constantly is really bizarre.
1: Yeah, and the joints were all super painful. Like, Mm. they were inflamed. I could feel that they were inflamed and that, you know, this was obviously not just... I don't know, you know. I don't know. I don't know what it was from. So, so potentially, you know. I I have these theories because, um, I don't know. I've, you know, if there's ever an issue in my life that I've had to deal with, I I think I've, I've thought as much as I could about like, well, what could it be? What could it be? Right. Yes, sure. that's just a human thing. I don't know, but, but I I, I remember. I remember I listened to um, part of your first podcast and you saying something about how, you know, when you tell people about these symptoms that you're having, sometimes their eyes just gloss over because yeah. don't, you know, either a, you've talked a lot about symptoms to them in the past and, or, or B, they just think you're crazy or C, they think you're hypersensitive, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, I've felt that and, and I don't fault the people who, who kind of have this perception. Um, I don't know, because we're all humans and like, you know, especially here in the States, we've, taught, we've been taught that like, well, you know, suck it up, like just be stronger. Right. You know, or something like that. So, right. um, in any case, all the things previously before covid you know i feel like there was a certain point in which i was like okay i know exactly what this was and like i could figure you know figure it out but i don't know i I don't think i'll ever know the joint thing like all the popping constantly so it's so it's kind of the the pain part of it will, will be like uh i have to wear my shoes all the time in the house and this is something that's really annoying for me because I was an anti-no-shoes-in-the-house person, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, like, big time, I'm like, okay, we got to have, we have carpets, we got to keep them clean, yeah, <laughs> but totally. like, like, ever since, ever since I've had this pain, mainly in my, like, right leg and, and ankle, and, uh, and, like, my toes will swell, and they'll become red sometimes, too, Weird. and, and so, I do, I do a lot of acupuncture, and, uh, you know, I go once a week, and, you know, they'll tell me my energy is stagnant and they'll, and, and, you know, initially when I got the varicose veins, I thought, oh, well, maybe my heart was affected by COVID because they say part of varicosity, especially in your lower part of your body is because your blood isn't like pumping as well as it did previously. But then I think, well, I don't know. I'm a runner. I run six miles twice a week. Like my heart's got to be fine. Like, I don't know. So, there's, it's just a big question mark, right? It's like, who knows? I don't know why my joints are inflamed. I don't know why my, you know, like when I stand, um, all those joints will hurt. And and I did go and I and I went, um, I went to physical therapy, which helped a lot. Um, they told me like my right leg was a tiny bit shorter than my left leg and so then i then one of my theories was like well maybe because of the you know the size length imbalance maybe that's affecting the joints but um you know but i've been wearing an insert since uh i went to that physical therapist you know whatever it was july august last year so um i honestly i just don't know this last round of of strange things i don't know if it's just you know a if i was uh you know if i did come in contact COVID around march 2020 and my body's just reacting to all of those you know whatever uh whatever happens to our bodies with this virus or uh another strange thing is that when I was in college and I had all that pain on my left side, I did a ton of stretching and it was all very muscularly uh, connected. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it um, it was a lot of muscle pain. I actually on my right femur, the, the, the psoas, as I mentioned earlier, is this muscle that starts in your femur and goes to your mid back on my, on my right side, the femur started to protrude. And so I actually had to have surgery and they like, they shaved off a piece of it. Cause like every time I would walk on my right knee, it would pop hmm. because like, I think one of the um, tendons was like just being bothered by, by, and it was because of this pulling of uh, of the psoas. So wow. So, when was the that, only re- the surgery that that was in college when I was having all the pain okay. in my yeah, yeah. psoas. Right. So, so in my first kind of bout with chronic pain, i had to have this surgery because because my muscle was pulling so intensely in any case i'm i'm thinking now that maybe yes maybe no maybe the slightly shortened muscle because they had to they had to cut the muscle oh wow when they when they shaved off the femur is somehow related to why my right leg is shorter you know I don't know, but see, we I, I start to drive myself a little crazy, right? It's like, yeah. and, and I start to feel like, well, you know, you start to feel like what you experience when you see the the glazed over expression. <laughs> towards and, and yourself? Spaces. You
0: feel it towards yourself?
1: You're like, oh, I'm yeah, sick of like, me talking about this to me. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and it's this strange, you know, cyclical, like, like, well, okay, I'm having these symptoms, but like, I, you know, I don't know. It's this thing, maybe it's a cultural thing. We tell ourselves that, like, you know, we shouldn't, like, we should be stronger or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if we should figure it out. Psychological.
0: Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is obviously, like, things I've experienced or thoughts that I've had about my own health I mean, in different scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people that I talk to, that there's this common theme of people feeling like it's their fault you know like because it's like it's my body my body is malfunctioning that makes it my fault my responsibility um but there is no fault here like you know i i absolutely believe in the mind-body connection but i but i also do not believe that that be that your mind-body connection is causing you to be in chronic pain and that makes it your fault like i don't believe that i do believe that tending to the mind-body connection will make you better absolutely you know you've experienced that you've talked about um that like here and before we recorded um and like i've absolutely experienced that as well that you know the the less stress the happier you are like it does make either the pain level diminish or it just makes the pain easier to manage because you feel better you know because you're happier and like being in chronic pain sucks but the worst part is the depression you know if you get into like a cycle of depression about being in pain it can be really tough but and it sounds like you're in this weird nebulous spot where it's like you've experienced chronic pain a couple times you've had weird health things a couple times but you've gotten through them you've managed them and now here's this big weird one that you're currently inside of and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn so you're turning inward um and i i would encourage you to 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 not blame yourself and to Be kind to yourself because from what you're telling me, I don't think there's any way that this is your fault. You know, it's, I mean, COVID Uh symptoms are weird. And I think what you're, I mean, I'm not, obviously, I always have to say this, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know stuff. But from what I've read about COVID, it does seem like what you're experiencing could absolutely be some sort of long haul COVID symptoms. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like my, I've seen a chiropractor who, Talked about the the nervous system as a bucket, and when you fill your bucket with um, stuff, it starts to overflow. And if you have a lot of small things going on in your body that are an issue, n- none of them by themselves are a problem, or that big of a problem, or something you can just kind of shake off and push through. But if there's a whole lot of them, um, your bucket can overflow, and that's when you start to have weird symptoms. And you know, I'm not saying that this is true. It's just an analogy that I liked and seems to make sense to me. Um, and I feel like COVID is one of those things where it just hits everyone so differently. And we know so little about it still, but it's definitely like throwing a giant rock into a bucket that is your nervous system. And then it's just like your, your water just flows out, which sounds gross.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely hear all of that. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying, you know, like, like it's, it's you know we 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 don't get anywhere if we blame ourselves for our you know like um you know for our physical issues so and uh yeah so you know really the the depression i think is is huge like i think especially in when i was in college uh you know you know, I had spent my, you know, my my high school years just like, just being so immensely in love with jazz music and both, both like the, you know, the the artistic expression and the aspect of, you know, a love for the part of our for 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 the part of our country that is so uh, like abused, you know, people um, from uh, African-American culture have been so abused for so long. And I guess, you know, like my, my experience with my mom working with refugees that like all of that, just made me feel that this music was so important and Mm. and such a joy to to have the privilege of experiencing from so many you know african-american mentors yeah and um you know that that it was just such a pain to lose like you know through and so and so i did become very depressed at that point but then i but then i gained uh i gained a lot of Uh, hope you know because i also i also love i also love all kinds of music you know all kinds of other music so i knew that being an engineer i could work with with people of all backgrounds and then and then you know moving to new york city was so wonderful because it expanded you know my my sense of being a human being in general so i guess what i'm saying is that like i've had these things happen to me but then they've also changed my life Mm. in ways that have benefited me so much, like have expanded my worldview and expanded my, my experience that, you know, in the end I'm just like, well, life is crazy. Like crazy things happen, but then, um, you know, you just got to keep appreciating what you still have and, and, and what, um, you know, what you actually strangely gain from your pain. Absolutely. And that,
0: that's like, you're dropping some wisdom over there. I mean, that's <laughs> so valuable. And I've experienced that as well, where like you'll have a health problem that throws a wrench in your life and the changes that come of it end up being wonderful uh, it's to the point where you wouldn't go back and change what happened to you. Um, and if that happens to you a couple of times, you start to get this long view of it where <laughs> it helps you to get through the next time because, you know, this is going to change my life again. But positivity came out of the last one, and it can happen this time too, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, the 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 immense pain that I felt in in college was kind of up and down my left side, and yeah. now it's up and down my right side. Yeah, that's so weird. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm just evening myself <laughs> out. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So.
0: Yeah. Have but- you? So have you been to um, a doctor once? You you thought you had COVID. Were you ever tested for the antibodies? I I,
1: I did go, um, you know, my, my final job at this point is, uh, I'm, you know, working at HUD now and, and I have pretty great health insurance through the federal government. So I finally, once I, I got that, I did go to a doctor and um, they never tested me for the antibodies. I explained to them every, all those symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, I guess what they're saying is that after a few months, your antibodies go away. Mm. So, like, I was telling them that I had experienced it in March. By the time mm. I went to the doctor in, like, August or September, like, they wouldn't yeah, have been there. wouldn't anything. have mattered.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, we can just so, assume you had COVID. I think that that's a safe assumption. Like, with the exposure that you had that time of the year, when we know that it was rampant in the U.S. before we shut down, that was, like, the most dangerous... Well, I don't know if that's true, but that was a very dangerous time. Not necessarily the yeah. most dangerous, but it's a very yeah. safe assumption to say that you probably had it.
1: That's that's what I'm assuming. And, you know, and I also have friends, I have a lot of friends who tour the, tour the world constantly, or they were doing so, you know, in January and February of 2000. And, uh, you know, some of them say they feel like they were exposed, um, you know, and were very sick in, mm-hmm. in January. And So, in any case, you know, those are just experiences through or hearing things through friends. So, but, but I, I, yeah, I remember, I mean, I've taught a lot of kids. I've taught thousands and thousands of kids over, you know, more than 20, 25 years, something like that. And like when I was in that classroom that last week before everything shut down and every single kid was sneezing all the time, I was like, something is weird. Yeah, I was like, what (laughs) is going on? And then I realized, I realized, know. couple weeks later i was like oh oh yeah, yeah. global pandemic that
0: could be <laughs> it
1: yeah
0: so what did the doctor say about your your symptoms
1: well i uh, when i went to you know the western doctor um you know months and months once, once after after i had started having these uh symptoms at that point i was i was the the muscle and joint issues were were so pervasive that basically i just we just came to the conclusion that i needed to go to a physical therapist to see what was going on Mm -hmm. so then i went to uh, a place that helped me a lot you know they did a lot of like uh, lengthening of my spine i have a really long spine and um you know, I, I went to, so initially I had also just myself gone to a chiropractor mm-hmm. uh, because I just had all this, uh, you know, tension and, you know, all these uh, symptoms that I've been describing. And so it would, it would fix me for a couple of days. And then, you know, then I, it was just never ending. Right. I, 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 yeah. I didn't see an end to. Just continuing to go to the chiropractor because it would make me feel okay for a day or two but then it would just come back and so um so then i you know also went to this uh physical therapist and they had kind of other machines you know they took a bunch of uh scans um but no i mean i guess the answer to your question is no like i haven't gotten any real information from yeah. a west doctor that i feel that would help me
0: yeah that's so tough and it's so hard because i in my experience, ninety percent of the time that I go to a Western doctor with symptoms like what you 're describing like something that 's like hard to pin down, they have nothing to offer, and yeah. for years, I just stopped going because it 's like what's the point you know so I just started going to naturopaths and um you know i've also done i've actually had very good luck with chiropractors. I recorded an episode with my uh my old chiropractor that's going to come out um like the next episode of the podcast that's coming out as we're recording this is going to be with my chiropractor. Um, awesome. and Yeah, he did some awesome stuff for me. When you were talking about your legs being different length, that's something where like I'd go in and my legs would always be different lengths and then he'd adjust me and they'd kind of even out and then it would last for a little while and then I'd have to keep going back. Um, and you know, since he moved, uh, his family moved back to Canada, I haven't gone to the chiropractor since then. And it's also like I don't want to go have body work done during COVID because I just don't want to take the risk. Exactly. Um, But yeah, but like with traditional doctors, it's so, it's so tough because when they tell you that they can't help you, our society also has this thing built in that says like doctors are right, you know? So if a doctor tells you there's nothing wrong, that means there is nothing wrong, which means that it's all in your head. And that is like just completely incorrect, you know, in my, in my life experience and in the experience of people that I've talked to with chronic pain, that has been a barrier to them getting help for years. You know, it can last for a really long time. And I'm so lucky now to have a primary care provider that takes me seriously. Um, And, you know, it's when I went to a university hospital where they, uh, University of Washington. um, But I've heard this is true of other university hospitals too, like, uh, um, you know, like the Mayo Clinic, um, places where they are doing research about health. There's a, there's a lot of like cutting edge stuff going on. Um, I've been taken much more seriously there. And, But that took, like, a decade of bouncing around from doctor to doctor, from, like, you know, medical center to medical center, where they're all telling me the same thing, which is, like, this is not, you know, you don't seem to have any medical issues, so we're going to send you to a psychotherapist or, you know, go see alternative care. And I did all those things, and, like, some things were helpful, some things weren't, but the the underlying problem has always still been there. Um, But that that feeling of like, I shouldn't pursue this anymore because they keep telling me not to is really hard to deal with. You have to like be your own advocate because no one else is going to advocate for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us just kind of go down alternative paths. So it's, and it sounds like you've tried a lot of that. So what, so it sounds like you're still in the midst of this, like you're still experiencing this.
1: It's, it's not as acute. The pain isn't as acute as it was Mm. uh, during the first few months. So what, one thing that, that I did, uh, so so I've learned a few things. So, you know, when we have um, muscle issues uh, in the West, a lot of times, you know, at least when I was a kid, they'd say, oh, just ice it, right? Mm-hmm. You put ice on it. And then through learning more about Eastern medicine, you know, they have the opposite thought they're like well heat Mm -hmm. is what generates um blood flow and and that can help much more than slowing slowing the energy down right so in any case i would take these hot baths and they would just be incredibly painful and i was like oh my god what's going on i'm like i can't do this so so then uh i started to take just ice baths like and I would feel immensely better immediately. Wow! So, yeah. So, like, since uh, you know, summer of 2020, I've been taking ice cold showers in the morning, and uh, and also, you know, just filling up the the bathtub with cold water, and um, and it helps incredibly. Wow, but, that's great. Yeah, and you know, I think alternating is also good. Yeah, right? I've so heard the after, same. Yeah. Yeah. So after months, like I couldn't, I couldn't get into any bath or any shower that was even remotely warm because it would be painful. Wow. So, so um, then after I don't know six or six or seven months of that, I I, I started to do kind of lukewarm and cold, uh, you know, alternating. And um, so my pain has diminished. I'm. I, I do feel very um glad that it has diminished since last year
0: yeah
1: um, um I'm, I'm i'm able to run again my my um acupuncturist is like you just have energy stuck inside like you need to run you need to get back to that so um you know i started back kind of short distances and now i'm back to basically the distances that i used to that's run. awesome Yeah. And I'm, and I'm so happy about that. I'm, I still experience this thing where like if I'm standing with no shoes on, on a flat floor, like my kitchen, you know, like a wood floor, I just feel this pain in all of my joints
0: Weird.
1: only on the right side. So I don't know if it's the, you know, the difference in length of my, my, you know, legs or what I, I don't know, but, or if it's just still symptoms from, from COVID or, And then when I, when I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning, like my legs are just itchy and, and I had my acupuncturist, a different acupuncturist. I've gone to like three, but they're all the same place, but, but it all depends on which day you go in. And so I just happened to go in on my first Thursday in probably seven months of getting treatment last seven months. And the woman, you know, everyone has a different perspective and she's like, Oh, you're itching. You just need to take magnesium. And it's like this past Thursday, I'm like, oh my god, why didn't they tell me that? Even <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but so I've been taking that a little bit. But what she said is that when viruses attack your body, they take all the minerals. Mm. And I didn't know this, and and so I don't know. I don't know if taking magnesium and calcium will help lessen the whole itching thing, but maybe they're. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that like COVID can just, you know, do some really awful things and it can just take a long time right. to and, to get better.
1: And we just don't know, right? We There's so many, yeah. just don't know. So
0: yeah, like with so many other health conditions, we just don't know, um, yeah. which is so hard. So has this changed how you think about yourself um, this last year where you've had these new pains come up and you don't know what's causing them? Has I know you're an introspective guy. Um, the the voice you mean, that you use to talk to yourself has
1: that changed in this last year? You mean in general? I don't think it's changed. You know, drastically. Who I feel that I am, or how I approach things. I mean, I think. I think having to go through other rounds of. You know pain and changing my life because of physical issues. like like you said, it's like because I'm on my third or fourth kind of round, there's a little more perspective. Mm-hmm. And so yes, the pain is inconvenient. Um, I think one aspect of how I've approached it this uh, approach it this time based on experience that I've had in the past, is, like you said, to be kinder to myself, but also to try to be aware that, you know, the people around me are also going through it with me. Yeah. And, and like the first, you know, when I was in college, the first time I had a lot of pain, I tried to make it very clear to my partner at that time that I did not blame this person for anything that was going on with me because when, and I was very young, right. And I was in a relationship very, very young at that point. And and I and, and I think that's kind of a silly thing to say, obviously. But like, I feel like um, you know, I just really am trying to be kinder to everyone, to myself, mm. to the people around me, and to um, you know, and to generate those positive feelings about the future it's like yes you know i'll be able to get through this like i've gotten through other things and um and just be be glad for for everything that i do have i mean i have so much i have so so much in my life you know like we're moving to a new house we're getting the keys tomorrow oh nice you know, we, bought, we bought a house and like i never in a million years thought i'd be able to buy a house in the bay area you know yeah and And, um, you know, I have a a great job and like, I've been so lucky through all the pain that people are feeling like, you know, economically through this crisis, I've, uh, you know, I had a little, there was a little unsurety there, but then I, but then I got my, my job from, from having been in the Peace Corps, I got my federal job. So, so I have a lot of stability. Yeah no and uh, i just made my zero gravity chair here because I, I couldn't sit that was one thing oh. with all the with all the joint pain yeah i couldn't sit in a chair
0: yeah i've had that and, before too and it's really hard it's like you either yeah. have to stand or lie down and standing hurts
1: yeah so, so like, i you're got just this i got this amazing it's a french well basically like deck chair and it's zero gravity where like you know it's really squeaky at this like you can probably hear it now <laughs> you know? so like but it has you just sit back in it and i and i got a uh I got a, an arm basically that I attached to a two by four that I drilled into the wall that has my computer in kind of like the gamer mode where it's yeah. like above you you know <laughs> and then I have a little USB keyboard that I have in front of me so i've 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 you know I've made adjustments in my life to 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 um to reduce you know to reduce the pain
0: yeah that's important you have to accommodate for yourself and it's so hard to do because like you're so used to other things and it doesn't make sense it's like sitting is is normal Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to to, like what am i supposed to do you know i can't sit what do i do and you gotta like get creative you know um and it sounds like you've done that and got yourself a situation that makes you comfortable which is so important (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah yeah i had to do that
0: yeah and you mentioned to me that you um if this is something that's okay to talk about you mentioned to me that you have a, um, a group that you talk to i'd love to hear a little bit about that and what that's done for you
1: yeah i um i'm happy to talk about that basically i um you know i was i was having so much physical trouble and i've you know very much believed that you know communication uh and just sharing can can lift so much weight off of you know difficult experiences that we have so yeah and and my my partner has um done many years of work through groups of her own um and i was like you know what why don't i do that why you know and and it's Also, you know, I, I basically started it because I wanted to, to have contact with other people, you know, COVID was so isolating, you know, that was one thing I just wanted to have contact with community with my community of people and, and also give, uh, you know, males in particular, a chance to talk about all the stuff that's like, we've all just been holding so much more than we did previously because we are in environments, you know, like the same environment constantly. And, you know, and so, yeah, I think, um, I can't remember when maybe it was December. So I've been doing it for maybe four, four months now, something like that where, um, you know, I've just reached out to friends of mine and said, Hey, if you want to join this conversation, you can, talk about whatever you need to talk about and um, we just do it weekly, you know? And, and a lot of, a lot of men's groups, you know, they require money and they require like, you have to be here this number of times or like you get kicked out or whatever. And I just, I didn't want any of that. Yeah. Like I, I show up every week. I'm like, you know, don't pay me any money. Just, just if you want to. And cause to me, that's the only thing that would make it inviting for someone like myself. Like, You know, it's not about money. It's not about like this commitment that you have to make. It's like, you know what? In that moment, if I I need to talk to somebody, I'm going to call and like, and be a part of this weekly men's group. So, so yeah, I've done it kind of every week. Um, I've missed, you know, I had, I'm taking this class for work. So I had a big midterm on a Tuesday morning, so I couldn't do it that one week. But, but it's very easy for me to do it consistently because I just want to. Um, I want to have that connection with other, you know, other guys that that also need to to discuss what they need to discuss.
0: Yeah, and you know, we've talked a little bit about societal pressure, and there is this, you know, tradition in America of men not expressing themselves. So yeah. I, you know, I love the idea of encouraging that. Um, I'm obviously yeah. I'm not the type of guy who has any problem expressing himself. <laughs> I can't shut up. Um, <laughs> right, um, right. But I obviously I've encountered it all throughout my life, um, and yeah, and it's a it's a barrier that a lot of men need to break through to recognize yeah. that it is okay to express your emotions, and yeah. there's there's strength in doing that, and I think that oftentimes people believe the opposite. They think that by holding things in, they're being strong, but what you're doing is you're weakening yourself. So, yeah. 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 So good for I you. Mean, yeah. man. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I mean, flexibility, honestly, balance and flexibility are, are signs of true strength, right? It's like mm. you hold something too tight. It, 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 it's not, you're not being strong, right? So like, you know, but that's, that's, point of view. It may, it may be, you know, supported by science. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but in any case, so yeah, I uh I really appreciate uh and it's just a few friends that I have. And I've I've actually reached out to many people that have expressed themselves through social media that they're having incredible troubles. And they're like friends of mine from the past. Yeah. And I've reached out and I've said, hey, we'd love to have you anytime you want to come and dive into these this difficulty. Right. And some of them have come on and some of them haven't. And, and, you know, it just, it, it just touches on that, on that ask, you know, that, that reality that, that we can be expressing that, oh my God, I have all these troubles. I have all these issues, you know, in an outwardly way, potentially through social media, but to then take that invitation to, to kind of dive in introspectively and, and work through whatever that is that's a it's a very scary thing mm. i think for a lot of people and sure and absolutely think, you know yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's so interesting well it, Justin, it's so great reconnecting with you it's been a long time and you've been through yeah. a lot and i feel like you've gained a lot of wisdom along the way mm-hmm. um yeah and so much experience and i really appreciate you sharing all of that with us today is there anything yeah. that you want to say to anyone out there going through any chronic pain or anything similar to you?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know that I, I think, I think everyone's case is so individual that it's hard to say, it's hard to give, you know, blanket statements. And I, um, you know, really just, uh, like we were talking about before, just be good to yourself. And, uh, you know, be, be, be willing to, um, you know, pardon yourself for things that you A don't understand or B uh, you know, can't process well or like, you know, and then, but then also express your appreciation to those around you who are, who are supporting you um, because they, they do. And, and, you know, and sometimes, uh, sometimes they they need to be shown that you know we appreciate their help and things like absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's, know. I mean,
0: absolutely. And you're right; every case is totally different. But as far as blanket statements go, those are really good ones. <laughs> those
1: are good. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Do you have any like social media or anything you want to plug, if anyone wants to reach out to you?
1: Well, um, I mean, I have. You know, I have a Facebook account. I have a. I have a music lesson company, so I'm not. I, I won't necessarily make a, you know, uh, a business plug. Oh, but feel
0: free. Honestly, like you're you're giving us yeah. your time. I am <laughs> always more than happy for people to plug their business sure. or anything. Yeah, sure. Well, do.
1: well, I um I do have a music lesson service. It's called Bay Area Home Music, and um, you know, we provide music lessons, uh, all kinds of instruments. You know, piano, guitar drums, bass, uh, whatever, trumpet, trombone, saxophone, violin. You know, we basically have a community of uh, professional musicians who give in-home uh, music lessons, and obviously through COVID, they've been via you know Zoom or whatever, you know, whatever medium is preferred. Um, but yeah, it's just BayAreaHomeMusic.com, and um, I'm very happy and very proud to have been able to. Um, develop you know a lot of children's um you know strength and sense of uh self-worth and sense of ability through through learning uh musical instruments and so yeah that's awesome well you're
0: such a cool guy and your outlook is so positive and i really appreciate it and this has been amazing thank you justin so much
1: yeah well thank you jesse it's really great to connect with you and um anytime
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, MajorPainPodcast.com. Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to all of our $2 a month supporters, our $7 per month patrons including Naomi Adele Smith, and our future producers at $25 per month. Learn more at Patreon.com slash MajorPainPodcast.